Welcome to Biz Talk with Bill Roy, episode 39. Our goal with our podcast is to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, and organizations that make up Wichita's important business community. We hope we achieve that goal week in and week out, and we thank you for listening, and thank you very much if you are a subscriber. This week, a discussion with Chairman and CEO of Equity Bank, Brad Elliott. Yes, his organization sponsors this podcast, and we appreciate it. I don't have any problem bringing him in to talk. I see no conflict because we've been writing about equity a lot, from its acquisitions to going public and its growth since. We'll get to that discussion in a moment. First, a couple of words about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. I wanted to talk to Brad because equity is a subject to the big story in the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. We provide a timeline of equity's creation and growth. We write about the acquisitions process, about going public, and what's next. That package begins on page 10. Also this week, reporter Daniel McCoy writes about the evolution of local startup, Lawn Buddy. That's on page 4. Also on page four, Josh Heck writes about J.B. Johnston's evaluation of his career. He's taking a leave of absence from Newman University. A Wichita Company president has bought a downtown building. Brian Horwath tells us about that on page five. This week, we spend 10 minutes with Shannon Bohm, the new CEO at Schaefer Johnson Cox Fry Architects. Our top 25 list this week, the area's largest fundraisers, page 14. If you want to know who has created a new corporation, filed a new lawsuit, taken out a building permit, been hit with a state tax lien, or made a real estate transaction, check out our leads section. It starts on page 18. Back in a moment. Welcome to BizTalk with Bill Roy of the Wichita Business Journal. Talking business, your business that is, is what Equity Bank's team of bankers does best. Visit us today at equitybank.com. Equity Bank was created in 2002, went public in 2015. A couple of nearby acquisitions will give Equity about $3.5 billion in assets. The guy who's been steering the Equity ship is Brad Elliott. He'll fill in the details on Equity. Among his accomplishments, he was in the 40 Under 40 class of 2001 and was named to the 40 Under 40 Hall of Fame in 2015. I want to take a couple of minutes to tell your story and then a couple of minutes to tell the equity story. But first, where were you born? Uh, I was born in uh, Greeley, Colorado. And so how did you get to Wichita? Did you grow up in Greeley? Short story is I went to McPherson College, uh, played small college sports there, um, got into banking shortly after that, uh, or part of my degree there. Uh, Never really wanted to be a banker, so... uh, Left banking to go to a uh, technology company in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, then uh, Coke Industries hired me, uh, did a, several things with Coke, and then uh, uh, Coke had moved me to Wichita, so we thought this was the right place to raise our family uh, and the right environment to live in. What was it like working at Coke? Um, it was a very challenging environment. I've never learned more in my life. Uh, it's, a, it's a very... Uh, um, results-oriented company. Uh, all the people you work with there, you would enjoy being together with for dinner or on a trip. So the camaraderie is really good. Um, so it was just a really big learning environment. They taught you how to think big, and the only thing that limits yourself is yourself. So, and it's really the thing I took away from that and uh, expand my ability to do the things we've done. Influential in your life now. 
very, to a certain extent. Yep, very influential. What sports did you play at McPherson? Uh, I played basketball my first two years, and then I played football my third year. Did you uh, dunk quite a bit? Or? Uh, that, that was not my specialty. <laughs> Three-point shooter, maybe? So when I went to college, there was no three-point line. Oh. <laughs> uh, and then there was a three-point line, and there was no shot clock, and then there was a shot clock. So I got to see the game change a lot in a very short period of time. Right. Tell us the equity story beginning back at the beginning, late 2002. Yeah, so I, I came up with an idea when I was uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And if I felt like if you, if you could form a bank that was owned by officers within the company, so they acted like owners instead of like employees, you would get a different environment. And then if you focused on commercial customers, you'd be able to track those to a financial institution. I also felt like there was an opportunity to consolidate other banks. No one had really backfilled that since Bank 4 had left the space. Right. And so if we put together a platform, we could attract other companies that would want to join us. And we could also attract commercial customers and retail customers by being more entrepreneurial. And so that was really what we formed the company on, and it's really what the company is based on today. Had not been done before, at least in this market? You know, if you look back at Bank Ford's history, I think Bank Ford did it. Uh, I think there's other financial institutions who have done it. Um, and for whatever reason, there wasn't anybody really doing it in the space that we, we live in today. So, Guide us through the evolution of the bank. Um, it was the National Bank of Andover. You grew it from there. Uh, where did you go from there? So I was fortunate. I didn't have any money. Uh, I, got the, <laughs> I got the National Bank of Andover to sell me their institution and put it on escrow for $50,000. I went out and raised capital from 23 local shareholders, uh, capitalized the bank, uh, and then really just started with the process of could you start contacting other financial institutions to sell their operations. And so we were able to buy Hillcrest local uh, operations, uh, and then we just kept growing, and we bought a bank in Kansas City, one in Hayes. And we just uh, so we've done 17 transactions or announced 17 transactions since we started. Uh, we went through periods where we've done three or four in a year, and we've gone through periods where we haven't done anything for two or three years. But we've always focused on our organic growth or taking care of customers. And so that piece really helps us uh, continue the growing uh, the growth strategy. So we're about a 10% grower on organic. And if you add in the, the M&A piece, you know, it helps our stock return because uh, we compound about 20% a year or 25% a year because of that that compounded growth of the two combinations. I remember it was a big deal when you guys had a billion dollars in assets. Now you're up to three and a half? Uh, yeah, we'll be in May. We'll probably be closer to 3.7. That's after the acquisitions that you're working on yeah, now. Yeah, and two May acquisitions will close uh, um, on May 5th, and then uh, those will uh, take us to about $3.7 billion. What is your geographic reach now? So we are Western Kansas. We are uh, Hoxie's our furthest northwest uh, spot, and uh, Liberal will be our or uh, Hugoton will be our furthest southwest spot, uh, and then we go into Harrison, Arkansas, would be our furthest east, uh, and then we also are in Sedalia, Missouri, and then we're in Ponca City in Tulsa. Is there a limit to where you want to be, or is it? just depending on the opportunities that are out there. So we say, Bill, that we want to be a three-hour drive time from Kansas City or Wichita. Okay. So if our management is in Kansas City or Wichita, which not all of it is, but the majority of it is in Kansas City or Wichita, we want to be able to get in a car and drive and get back home at night. And so if you take a radius of Kansas City or Wichita and take three hours from that, that's kind of where we want to be. How many total branches now? Uh, when we close, it's hard to keep track, Bill. So when we close <laughs> these two, I know there will be 48. 48. 
and how many employees roughly? You started with 15, 20 employees? Uh, we started with 19, and uh, we will have, uh, we had at our all-employee meeting in Kansas City, 630 employees. You and I have both over the last 15, 20 years watched as not, not banks, but other companies that really grew fast and they couldn't manage that growth. How did you manage the growth of Equity Bank, which has been fairly rapid over the last 15 years? So the real secret is making sure you're putting processes in place ahead of what you're doing. Uh, so we always spend a little more money than we should for the current size we are to put processes in place. And we also hire employees ahead of when we need them. So when we get the opportunity to hire an employee that's available, we hire them. And so we're working on a couple new hires that we'll announce in the next few weeks. And those people are really ahead of the curve for us. And so attracting other employees from other institutions that know how to do what we need to do is really helping us stay ahead of that and growing. So the new hires are those executive level hires? Uh, yeah, we're always hiring lots of people, but we have a couple of key executive level hires uh, that we hopefully will be able to announce in the next couple of weeks. We, we were able to hire last year, uh, this last summer, the former CIO from Commerce Bank Shares. Right. And so I think that's a great hire for us. Uh, he's already been at a larger institution and seen how they do it. And he, he's brought a lot of that talent to us. And same with the other folks that we've been able to hire, like Jennifer Johnson and all the other people we've been able to attract to the company over the years. Talk about that executive team that you have, your, your top-tier leaders for the company. So, um, you know, by asking that question, I'm going to leave somebody out. Uh, so that's, that's going to put me in a box. But we got Cossover. So we have Greg Cossover, Wendell Bontrager, Julie Huber, um, uh, you know, Mark Parman, Mike Bazanzen, um, Jennifer Johnson, John Blakeney, um, Jeremy Machane, Jeremy Machane, um, Beth Money, and I'm sure I'm missing someone else uh, in there. But uh, so we've got a really good core uh, group of people who have been. A lot of them have come to the company early on and stayed and grown with their roles, and a lot of them have been attracted along the way. And so, um, you know, there's there's people all throughout that process that have that have bought into what we're trying to build. Fair to say, Julie maybe has been the most busy person on your executive team with all the acquisitions you've done. So Julie is uh, incredibly capable of processing things much quicker than most of the rest of us. And so she has always been able to be uh, unique in the fact that she's always allowed other people to be attracted to the company and her give up those roles. A lot of times people have uh, territorial issues. Julie never does. She always knows what's best for the whole is best for her. And so uh, Julie's been extremely busy this last year uh, in, in her new role uh, with managing M&A. She's doing it much better than I did. I used to manage the integration, and honestly, her full-time focus on it is, ma is making it much better than when I did it. She's really done about everything there is to do in the bank, and so uh, she has a really good aspect for that M&A process of how everything comes together. Wendell came in from outside the market. Yeah, I forgot Rolando Mayans, and he'll never let me forget uh, <laughs> if, I, if I don't mention him. Right. Uh, tell us about Wendell and, and your connection with him. So we were, we recruited Wendell. Uh, we did a national search to try to help us find that in individual. We didn't think we could find somebody from around here. And so uh, Wendell's been a great hire for us. He came he comes from uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. That's a similar size community, uh, smaller than uh, Wichita, but similar uh, philosophies, a lot of manufacturing. And so has fit in really well to our management team uh, and taken some leadership roles. It's really helped me. The next question is, why go public? We had another bank in the market that was public for a while, and Trust Bank. It was uh, private, obviously, went public, then went back to private. 
Talk about the decision for your organization to become a publicly traded company. So if you don't want to do anything and you don't want to grow, you shouldn't be public. And so if you're growing and you're growing by merging other companies together, uh, you need a currency that you can give them because they, they will merge in with you, but they want to be able to sell some of their shares and some of their shareholders want to sell all their shares right. and some want a tax deferral and don't want to sell any. So uh, being having a public currency allows us to give them shares in Equity Bank and be able to merge them together uh, and become a unity, uh, a unit uh, organization. And it efficiently gives them tax transfer. But uh, without that liquidity, we wouldn't be able to attract the companies to us that we have. And so the really the only reason to go public is is to be able to do M&A transactions. And so as we saw that as an opportunity, we knew if we wanted to continue down this path, we needed to do that. We also had had shareholders that had been in our company for 10 years or 15 years almost. And we had shareholders that had been in other companies we'd merged together that had been in, in 25 or 30 years. So they wanted liquidity. And so that gave them the opportunity to have that. We had about 350 shareholders when we went public. Um, and so it was just a natural process. Uh, you either have to give them liquidity to go in public right. or you have to sell the company. And so for us, we thought there was a lot more left in our strategy and we wanted to continue to grow it. Traded on the NASDAQ at EQBK. Are you pleased with uh, the progress of, of the stock price over the last uh, Well, year? You, you know, we're about uh, today as we set, we're uh, at an all-time high. So it's, right. hard, it's hard to say we're not pleased. Right. So and, we're, and it's we're been very a, fortunate. It's been a trend going up too. It has been. We went public at twenty two fifty, and uh, we're at thirty seven fifty plus today. Uh, so it's been, you know, it, it's been a nice growth story. It's, uh, you know, if you do what you say and you execute on the things you're supposed to execute on, all the rest of it takes care of itself. So I don't really watch the stock price because what we're really focused on is organic growth, M and A growth, earnings per share, and tangible book value growth. If we, if we do those things, everything else will take care of itself. Where did that philosophy come from? That had to have been ingrained in you somewhere along the way. You know, it really goes back to your parents teach you to do what you're supposed to do, right? Um, or your teachers or your coaches, and so the life the life lessons really all come back to play for business. And so if you you learn those things and you do those things, uh, so I, I would first say that my parents taught me those things and how to do those things. Uh, you know, the core values of how to run a financial institution. I was fortunate to be sent to graduate school of banking and. There I met a guy named Don Muso. Don really helped me understand how to how to run a bank and build a bank, and so and what the things that built values and what they don't. And so we really just focus on things that build values, and we don't focus on all the other things that don't build value. Which banking school did you go to? I went to Stonier uh, Banking School at Georgetown. Describe how the equity pie is divided: commercial, retail, business, that sort of thing. Uh, so we have uh, we would put. Uh, consumer business in mortgage loans and consumer loans, and so we would we would be about a thirty to forty percent uh, holder of consumer and mortgage loans, and those are people you know that live in the communities we serve, and and most of those mortgage loans are actually originated not in Kansas City, Wichita, or Tulsa, they're they're really originated in the smaller markets, uh, and then the consumer loans would be the the other portion of that, and most of those are originated in Kansas City, Tulsa, or Wichita, so. Uh, you know, we're, we're divided up amongst those communities, um, and we try to service all of those communities well uh, and take the products and services to those communities that are needed there. You do have a big footprint. Do you try to get out to the to all the banks at least once a year? or 
Uh, so I try to get to the banks as often as I can, and it just depends on the needs of the customers right. uh, or the employees. Um, if you're driving through there, it's easy. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's easy to get to Ponca City because you're going to Tulsa, uh, so it's easy to stop by. So some of them are harder to get to. Uh, Neotache is one of them uh, that's harder to get to because they, they have shorter hours and, and you're not driving through there during those times. So right. uh, so some of those markets you get to more often than others, but it's, it's important to be in all the markets. What do you think of the the banking environment in Wichita in particular? The term was overbanked. Do you think Wichita is still in that category? So, no, I don't. Uh, And so if you actually look at the number of financial institutions chartered in Wichita and the number of financial institutions that are chartered in Kansas City, there's actually more in Kansas City than Wichita. Okay. Um, And so, you know, is there enough? We'd always like to have less competition. Uh, But you know, I think less competition is bad for customers. I think there's probably enough financial institutions in Wichita. We probably don't need more, but we have good financial institutions. Uh, you know, we didn't have failures during the crisis right. because we had really good bankers. And and so, and that's good for the economy. It's good for the people who live here. It's good for the businesses that operate here. And so, you know, the banking, the banking industry in Wichita is pretty good. Uh, and I think the bankers in Wichita are pretty good bankers. Talk about the decision to take TARP money and that, that whole process and how that worked for you. So, you know, our decision to take TARP money was a little different than others. So that came along during the crisis. And so we looked at that as an opportunity. Uh, so TARP returned to the, the American taxpayers 17%. So it wasn't a bailout because a bailout means you got something for nothing. So right. when the when when you get a 17% return, that's a pretty good investment. Right. The government doesn't usually get a return on their money. Um, so we looked at that and said, okay, we're going to pay a 5% coupon for taking that money, and we can go and consolidate other banks that are in trouble. And so that's exactly what we did. We bought some branches in, in Topeka. Uh, we signed a, a contract to buy a bank in, in Lawrence at that time, and it really helped us take take those proceeds and go deploy them uh, to consolidate other banks that were having trouble. And so it bailed out other financial institutions, and then we repaid that money uh, in about two and a half or three years. You mentioned competition a second ago. Uh, John Clevenger at Commerce Bank was a, a friend of yours. He was obviously at another bank, but a friend of yours. He died last year at 49 years old. Uh, can you describe your friendship and, and how that experience has impacted you? Uh, it's been really tough, Bill. So first of all, I really haven't uh, been able to put it all in a box. Uh, uh, John and Kristen and their kids were such good friends of ours, uh, and still are. Uh, our kids are the same age. Heidi and Kristen became friends, introduced John and I together. I worked at Coke, so it was easy to become friends because we weren't competitors. So you were that's how you were connected. We were connected actually through the wives. And so... Uh, I think they were in junior league together. We were in a dinner club together, and we were, I, I was working at Coke Industries, so it was really easy to, to create a connection with John. And I've a, I asked John uh, several times, I said, do you think we'd have been friends if I'd have been a banker? And he said, we had so many things alike, uh-huh. and we thought about things so alike that, you know, he said there was no way we wouldn't be friends. So that friendship's tough because uh, we could talk about things with each other. We never talked about customers. We never talked about pricing, uh, things that were inappropriate, but we could talk about things in the industry. We could talk about things in the community that we both agreed on and our perspective as bankers, we could only, we could only recognize that with each other. Right. And so uh, you know, it's just a friendship you can't replace. Right. And uh, so it's been hard. It's a loss for the community as well. Here's a guy who's just one of the smartest guys I've ever known, 
and he's also a leader in the community involved in a lot of organizations and things initiatives that are going on in wichita yeah his iq is probably uh john actually held himself back uh <laughs> from telling us how smart he was most of the time i mean yeah. he really did yeah uh and then the thing i really appreciate about john is he never made you feel stupid right even though you were stupid uh yeah. i mean the things you were telling him sometimes were way out of the box and he would have a nice way of telling you you didn't know what you're talking about without making you feel dumb and that's why people really gravitated to yep. john uh, the thing the community misses is when John did something, he only did it if it was something he could make an influence on and make a lot better. Right. And when he did something, it was 100%. And so whatever he gravitated to, he, he made better. Whether it was his kids coaching or whether it was, uh, you know, uh, a board he served on, the United Way, whatever he was involved in, it was going to be the best. He was a pretty good golfer, too. Yeah, he was a pretty good golfer. But he was his handicap was a lot lower than mine, so I could take money from him. <laughs> so. Generally, what do you think of the Wichita economy? How are things going right now, do you think? So I think the economy is pretty good. I think aircraft is good. Uh, I think Coke Industries is good. I think Cargill's good. Um, you know, I think our core tenants here are pretty good. Um, I think, uh, you know, tax reform is going to uh, put more dollars into businesses, and businesses are going to do better. Uh, is it long-term good for our country? I'm not sure. Uh, but I think for the short term, our economy is really solid in Wichita and going to be continued to expand. Have you seen more companies come off the sidelines and start investing more? So I think once we knew who the president was going to be, whether you like him or dislike him, there was stability for business. And right. so people started making investments and plans. Last question. What's your next acquisition? We want to break some news. So just tell us, you know, a couple banks that you got, you're looking yeah, at. We've been trying to negotiate on Commerce Bank shares, but they just won't <laughs> talk to us. Uh, but uh, no, just kidding. Uh, you know, we bought the Wichita Business Journal, and we're glad to make that <laughs> announcement today. Folks, that is not true. We are independent. But we do appreciate Equity Bank sponsoring the BizTalk with Bill Roy podcast. We appreciate that. Appreciate your time and uh, safe travels. You're hit, heading toward an airplane. Yep. Thanks a lot. You bet. At Equity Bank, stories of growing businesses are a favorite of ours, so we created our own little series called Napkin Stories. Visit EquityBank.com to see how some great businesses got their start. Well, that's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week. We release a new episode every week. You can see the others at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at WichitaBusinessJournal.com. If you like the podcasts, let us know. If you have ideas for guests you'd like to hear from, please let me know that as well. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. On behalf of the great staff here, thanks for listening. Thanks to producer Brittany Showalter and Brad. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. We appreciate it. Have a profitable week.